Welcome back to Titans Time, the tailor-made podcast for all Tennessee Titans fans. Let's go. Welcome back. This is Titans Time. I am Tanner Staggs, joined here with my co-host, Tyler Staggs. Tyler, we're right in the midst of the Combine. Uh, It's been an exciting week. It has been fun to watch. It's not over yet. But what we've seen so far, um, it's definitely been great. We've seen some great prospects. And one of the most exciting things from this past week, we got to see some press conferences from Titans GM John Robinson and Titans head coach Mike Vrabel. It has been an exciting weekend so far, Tanner. Uh, You know, like you said, getting to see these young prospects come out here and show out for all these coaches and GMs. There hasn't been a lot going on in Titans news here lately, but it is exciting getting to hear from our GM and head coach and see where their mindset is heading into this offseason and into the scouting in this combine. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And one thing that I was definitely a little bit shocked by is John Robinson. He is He's always kind of been a more conservative guy in interviews and that was the same with his interview at the combine this week but there was one question that he was asked that you could just in my mind you could kind of tell he his voice changed a bit and he seemed a lot more excited he just was a little bit more open to talk about a certain player this player wouldn't be Derrick Henry, would it? Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, when he was asked about Derrick Henry, you know what? Let's let's listen to it. Yeah, Derrick had Derrick had a great year for us. I mean, he led the league in rushing. Um, he he built off the second half of the 2018 season that he had. Um, he, he cares about his teammates. He works hard. Um, he's great in the community, and um, we're going to work through that one and, and and do everything we can to try to keep him around. Now. It doesn't seem like a whole lot, but in comparison to a normal John Robinson answer, this is, in my mind, this is quite a bit right here. And I don't like to blow things out of proportion, especially anything from a coach or GM's point of view. But to me, this was John Robinson pretty much giving the go-ahead that as long as Derrick Henry wants to be back next season, Derrick Henry will be back next season. And I think that he's willing to stretch the price a little bit more than most teams would be willing to do for their star running back. Um, I think that they would be willing to go up to the Zeke deal I think they'd be willing to go over the Zeke deal. I don't know if they should because you know the history with running backs and what can happen there. Um, I definitely love Derrick Henry, and I'm a huge fan, and I love what he's done for the Titans so far, and I would love to see him stick around. What do you think about how far they should kind of stretch to try to keep Derrick Henry as far as uh keeping Derrick Henry on the team like you I'm a I'm a huge fan of Derrick Henry you know I want him back 
I want to see him, uh, you know, back in that two-tone blue for the Titans. I feel like the Zeke deal is just a little bit of a stretch for him. Uh, you know, it's with running backs, it can be tricky because over the past couple years, the majority of running backs that have got these big contracts, the following year, they have not lived up to expectations. It can turn out to be so devastating to a team. Look at David Johnson and what the Cardinals gave David Johnson. and Well, even Todd Gurley with how they gave him that big contract. And then this past year, it's like you barely hear his name called. And I'm not even sure if it was exactly a, a big contract year for David Johnson or exactly what he got, but... You just look at the the way people think about these running backs for one year, and then the next, it can kind of kind of be a totally different feel and a totally different perspective. I do feel like they still need to uh, bring Derrick Henry back. I know we've talked about what we thought before would be a fair contract for him. I would like to see him back for you know maybe sign him on that four year deal uh, for you know in between maybe 13 14 million a year um like i said i don't think you give him the zeke deal because if you shell out too much money then you're tied up there and say he comes out and doesn't produce like you want him to then it's going to be a lot tougher to get rid of that contract if you possibly looked at trading or anything like that which by no means am I saying that I doubt that, you know, I believe in By Derrick no Henry. means do you doubt Derrick Henry's ability. Exactly. Um, I think that Derrick Henry, you know, he's he's going to get paid. and He's going he's to get paid whether it's by the Titans or by another team. Yeah, and I think that even with that, he's a reasonable guy and he's driven by success. I think he wants to win a Super Bowl, and I really think he believes he can do that in Nashville. And he loves Nashville. He does love Nashville. He's he's come out several times and said that he loves Nashville, and he would love to be back back in the two-tone blue of the Titans. And, you know, what's the difference in – and this is kind of a rhetorical question, but what's the difference between 13 million and 15 million? As far as Derrick Henry is concerned – it's $2 million, and, I mean, you're making $13 million, man. Like, that could go somewhere else and make a lot more of an impact than just adding $2 million more onto your salary. By no means am I speaking, you know, for Derrick Henry here, but I feel like he is the type of guy and the type of player where he will take – that thirteen million instead of the fifteen million, if that extra two million means they can, can go put, towards making a Super Bowl contender. Yes, bringing in extra pieces to make this team a contender next year. I think you're and, exactly right. And the yeah. next, the you know, the upcoming years. And I just wanted to hit on uh, that answer from John Robinson. That was so much different than answers we heard when he was asked about Ryan Tannehill or you know, really anybody else with an expiring contract coming up, 
he didn't really speak on anyone else much. Well, um, like you said, when it comes to Derek Henry, you could, you know, if you watched this interview, you could see the, not only could you hear the change in his voice, but you could tell a difference in his demeanor, I feel like. I think you're exactly right. And that's not to say that, oh, well, you know, we're no, we're, we know we're going to get Derrick Henry back and all these other guys can just go to hell. And, you know, I don't specifically know if we're going to get Derrick Henry back. And I don't specifically know if any of these other guys are going to be going somewhere else. But what I do know is that John Robinson's tone of voice and the way that he acted, his facial expressions. It seems like he wants to bring Derek Henry back more. Than when asked about other players. While we're on the subject of Derek Henry, um, Mike Vrabel, of course, of course he was asked about Derek Henry because he's the Tennessee Titans head coach and Derek Henry's the Tennessee Titans best player. So, of course, he's going to be asked a couple of questions about him. And one of the questions he was asked is, do you think that Derrick Henry can keep up the same amount of carries, the same amount of usage that he had this past season? Uh, right, if he can handle three to 400 carries. Again. Again. And I, w- I don't know if I'd say three to 400. You know, he was just barely over 300. But he also missed a game, though. He also missed a game. And as far as touches go, you know, he also had some receptions here and there. So, you know, three to 400 touches. Um, let's see what Mike Grable had to say about that. You know, I, this is, I usually just ask the players if, if they're okay. And I've, I've never had a player say, no, I'm not, not okay to, to get the ball. Or, or, you know, be tired? No. You know, do you want to play? Yeah. So that's usually how I handle it. It's like coming, you know, if you're a pass rusher, you, you want to come out of the game in two minutes? No, I'll stay in there and rush. All right, Tyler, there's Vrabel's words of wisdom on player workloads. What do you, what do you got to say about it? I mean, basically just listening to it, Vrabel leaves it up to the players on whether or not, you know, they think they can handle – you know, what kind of workload they can handle. You know, Derek Henry is one of those guys where he seems like he's pretty straight up, and if he felt like he couldn't handle it, he would tell Vrabel. But, of course, all these guys are competitors, so if Vrabel goes up and asks him, hey, you need to uh, take a break, we need to cut down on your carries this next game, you know, Henry's going to tell him, no, just keep feeding me the ball. You know, late in the season... I'm pretty sure Vrabel said in another interview he was talking about Henry coming out as more of a leader. And later in the season, they ran a play. I can't remember exactly what run play it was, but as soon as they, you know, that play was over, Henry yelled out, run that again. Yeah, you know, and uh, I like how he leaves it up to the players. And I think that, that's something that definitely appeals to the players. You know, you always hear people talk about how Vrabel is a player's coach. And as cliche as that can sound, 
That is a huge deal. Um, getting the players to buy into a guy and just to, you know, really come together as a team around a head coach and to really believe what that guy has to say. You know, it's important to have a player's coach. And I think Vrabel is that. At the same time, it can concern me at times because I feel like, you know, players like Derrick Henry, and just like you said, you know, they're they're competitors. And no matter what, they want to be out on the field. Uh, and I don't think that Mike Vrabel would ever put a player in a position where he could get hurt, you know. I think that's probably where he draws the line. It, you know, if somebody someone's in danger of getting hurt or, you know, worsening an injury. He's or not if gonna, he can tell that they are just yeah. physically exhausted at that point. I mean, he's not going to risk it. I think that Vrabel is a very smart coach, and he obviously, you know, he has the playing experience, so he knows kind of where these guys are at and where they're coming from. But I think the whole deal of kind of leaving it up to them, you know, are you good to go? As long as there is, you know, a little bit of coach's consideration behind that, you know, if you kind of see, eh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that he's going to be all right to go. You know, with as long as he kind of has a little bit of judgment behind that, then – I'm definitely okay with that, and I think that it appeals to the players, and I like it. Speaking of competitors, uh, in John Robinson's interview, he spoke on how at the Combine it's really a great experience to be able to interview uh, these young players coming in and get to, know them, get to know them on a more personal level and you know, see – what they're like besides just on tape on the football field. Yeah, I mean, you you definitely want to see more than just the measurables. And I think a good example of that is Jawan Jennings from the University of Tennessee. This guy has really been the life and blood of the volunteers – you know, just for the past couple of years. And when he comes to the combine, nobody expected him to run real fast or jump real high. But, you know, a four seven three, you know, Tristan Wirfs almost ran that fast. He was about a tenth of a second behind him. And not that it's necessarily a bad thing, because when you look at this guy, you know, and you watch him play and you talk to him, he is just like a a different kind of player. You know, he's a different breed. He's a competitor. And that's kind of what I think John Robinson was hinting at, is that he wants to get to know these guys, and he wants to find those competitors. Because I think this Tennessee Titans team, I think they are very tough mentally, physically. I think they're just all around tough. And... He wants to add to that. Um, so let's go ahead. Let's listen to what John Robinson had to say about this this upcoming draft and the types of players that are in it. Let's go ahead and listen to it. 
The position groups are, are pretty deep. I think the O-line's got some pretty good depth to it. I think the receiver position and the running back position have good depth to it. Um, on the back end, the secondary, um, got some longer corners, it seems like. There's some, you know, there's some length at the corner position. Um, so I'm excited this week to get down and get in to sit with these guys and talk to them and get to know them as people because uh, I think that's paramount is getting to know these players as people. Joe, go ahead. One of the things that Robinson hit on here was how deep the the O-line, the wide receivers, and the running backs are. And, you know, I think that with him speaking on how deep those positions are, it – you know, it kind of just hints to me that he thinks that we might can can get a guy with that 29th pick that that's worth it at that spot. You know, and um, just you know, hearing him talk about the secondary and how towards the end of the draft these guys are long, they're athletic. I think that you know he feels like they can definitely wait on a defensive back or you know someone just someone for the secondary I think that he definitely feels like they can wait on someone there and get someone in that you know third to fifth round range that can still come in and contribute in that first year right and you know not trying to put any words into his mouth or you know speak for him but you know having these positions that do have more depth to them coming into the draft it does take I feel like a little bit of pressure off because you don't feel like you have to make moves to try and move up into the draft to get these guys you know you can like you said with the 29th pick if they decided that they wanted to go with another offensive lineman um Obviously, you have some of these guys like Tristan Wirfs who just has shown out at the combine. You know, you don't have to move up to try and take a guy like him. You can well, sit back. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, he's going to be gone. But I think the point that you're trying to get at is that there are going to be other guys available. Right. You don't have to try and trade up to hire in the draft to get a guy like that. You can sit there at 29 still if you want to take an offensive lineman. And the O-linemen are so deep as far as talent-wise goes and size that you can stay at 29 and still get a valuable offensive lineman. Yeah, and I think I think you had some good information over there as far as how some of the guys that might still be available at 29 rank in comparison to you know, some uh, Makai Becton who really turned some heads of the combine and a guy like Tristan Wirfs, who of course is very athletic. You know, he ran like a four, eight, six or something like that. Yeah. One of the guys that the uh, Titans had an interview with at the combine is Josh Jones, the offensive lineman from Houston. And having the interview at the combine, that's kind of a big deal because they only get, so a many limited interviews. amount of interviews, so it, it's very important to pay attention to who they interview, and it's still a large number of people that they they're allowed to interview. But still, it's important to 
note who is in those interviews and who, what kind of player. Like, you know they're not going to be able to get Tristan Wirfs, and that's why he wasn't in their interview. Right, but just Josh Jones, to give a comparison here, obviously he's not as fast as Tristan Wirfs is, on like his 40 time. Josh Jones, his 40 was a 5-2-7, but then again, I think Tristan Wirfs just come out and completely took people off guard with how fast his 40 was but when you look at their bench press reps which is something that I feel like is huge for offensive linemen because it shows you how strong like their upper body is he was right there with Becton and Tristan Wirfs uh Josh Jones put up 24 reps the same amount as Tristan Wirfs, and one more than Becton. Yeah, and like what you said earlier for the 40 time, I mean, it's it's not exactly very important for offensive linemen, the 40 time. I mean, it does measure, you know, quickness and just overall speed over that length of the field. Um, I know that, a player that was a little bit kind of close to Tristan Wirfs was Taylor Lewan. Actually, Taylor Lewan ran like a like a four eight seven or somewhere around there. It was in the four eights. It was pretty close to Tristan Wirfs. I thought that was kind of interesting um, because you know I I really didn't realize that some of those offensive tackles you know they're pretty quick and. They can get those four eight, you know. I'm not sure what the record is for an offensive tackle, but um, yeah, Taylor Wan was up there. And obviously, the most important thing for an line, offensive lineman is, you know, those those drills that kind of measure their footwork and everything. Um, so how how did Josh Jones? How did he rank as far as some of the drills that measure footwork? Well, I know he didn't, you know, participate in the three cone drill at the combine. Um and some of his weaknesses are his technique and footwork. Um, uh, you know, he needs some work to improve those, especially in pass protection. And, you know, that may be a reason that he ends up falling to, you know, that later first round pick. Okay. And and yeah, I mean those, you know, obviously technique is something that can be worked on, you know, and he's got the frame and the build. So I think this could definitely be a guy where say the Titans possibly, you know, franchise or transitioned Jack Conklin, or maybe they don't re-sign him at all. And they bring Dennis Kelly back for a year or two. This could be a guy that they work on those that technique and that footwork with because he's got the build and he has the potential. And that could be why he falls so far to the Titans, you know, and I think offensive line, man, it's it's so much about them meshing as a unit. And we saw that later in the year with the Titans. Roger Saffold, Taylor Lewan, you know, right when Taylor Lewan came back from that four-game suspension, the offensive line was, you know, at that moment it was kind of at its worst because they hadn't had that time together. 
But by the end of the year, our offensive line was a force. They they had that time to mesh and to really work together. And, you know, it's just offensive line is just one of those things. You know, they're they're really their own team within itself. And once they have that time to work together and to mesh, I mean, that's valuable. And that's why I'm so big on bringing Conklin back. I don't think it's a necessity. But if we could have him back, I would like to just because of that, just just that chemistry that they have together. Now, I think that, say we brought a guy like that in and we kept Dennis Kelly. Dennis Kelly is a guy that has been here, so he, he would be a lot easier to, to, to transition into that, you know, and to, to build that chemistry a little faster. And say we had him for a year or two and we had, you know, we drafted a guy at 29 they might could take that time in practice, you know, for the for the next year or two to kind of build that chemistry and you know, maybe they would be ready by the time that they would have to step in. While we're talking about the offensive line and Brable's interview, it sounded like one of the questions that was asked to him was if Nate Davis could possibly be transitioned to right tackle and you know what his thoughts were on that yeah um that was definitely an interesting question to me let's go ahead and listen to what variable had to say you know nate i would say would be a versatile player i don't think that right now um you know that's something that we could we could look at but um here, here's what i know about nate his, his first game in the nfl uh was was in atlanta it was on the road it was loud um you know grady jared is a, is a great player and I know that Nate lined up across from him and he blocked him and he didn't flinch and he didn't turn it down. Um, so it was promising. And again, we're going to work through a lot of other things as the season went along, but he improved and he, and he played against some really good players and he got beat sometimes. But sometimes he, he blocked his guy, you know, five yards downfield on, on run plays and you know, he picked up games and, and helped us, you know, create a really good pocket. So those are all things that I was um, proud of him for and I know that he's only going to get better. Yeah, so it it seems to me that Vrabel really doesn't see Nate Davis as someone that could move out to the tackle position at this moment. Right, um, right. I I agree with you there, but at the same time, he is also acknowledging that Nate Davis is could be versatile. Well, he's willing to do whatever is asked of him. Yeah. Like he's not going to have any fear if they were to have to move him to the right tackle position. He would put all of the work in, you know, all the time he, that he, he had. He really to. touched on that that toughness factor that we've right. been talking about. You know, he's not afraid to go out there and give it his all, and. I think Vrabel knows that if they had to move Nate Davis to right tackle, that that is exactly what he would do is give it his all and that, yeah, he might make some mistakes here and there, but at the same time, he has the potential to, you know, do really well and still help them in the pass game and block guys, you know, like he said in the interview, five yards down the field on run plays. Yeah, absolutely, and that's and that's why I believe in Nate Davis uh, for the next couple of years. You know, um, 
he did have some rough patches last year, and he did have some really good moments. And he's he's a lot better at run blocking than he is pass blocking. Um, you know, and he's got that toughness factor. You know, and that's why. I really believe in him, and I really support him as our starting right guard. I think that all you're going to see from this moment is improvement, and he—he, he, I don't think he'll ever move out to right tackle. I just don't see that for him. I don't think we'll have to uh, ask that of him. I think whether it be you know signing Conklin back, Dennis Kelly, or picking up someone in the draft. I think There's the Titans have options, right. Though. I think the and Titans have plenty of options for filling that right tackle position, and I think they're going to do what they can to keep Nate Davis at the right guard instead yeah, I mean, of having he's already, him. He's already been there, you know. He's been there for what a half year, almost a year. Right. They don't want to have to move him out there and basically have him try and learn start another from posi- scratch. Right. When last year was don't his want him to start season. over. Yeah, exactly, and. He's he's just he's a good tough player, and he really just goes along with this whole theme that I've kind of been getting this feeling from John Robinson and Mike Vrabel. You know they want to get to know these players and find the guys that are tough and gritty, and I get that feeling from Nate Davis, and that's why I like him. I like him a lot. Now before we end this episode, I wanted to go back to a topic that we discussed last week when we were talking about Tom Brady. And I think yeah. that both of us were pretty harsh on our thoughts on bringing Tom Brady to the Titans, possibly. Well, here's the, here's the deal on that. Um, while I have my preference, just as I know you have your preference, for who's going to be at quarterback in Nashville next season – no matter what happens, they could bring in, you know, any Joe Blow quarterback. We're still going to be the same amount of, you know, love, just Titans fans, loving the Titans. We're still going to give them the same amount of support. And that's why I wanted to come back to this topic and, you know, just let everyone out there know that just because the Titans may not sign who we prefer for them to sign for that position or really any position that's not going to change how we feel about the titans and our support for them we're still going to you know support them every game you know pull for them every game um you know just because we might be a little harsh on the what our opinions are yeah i mean we're kind of blunt you know but like you said you know supporting the titans i mean i think that goes without saying if they went out and you know, sign Tom Brady to a contract two weeks from now. I mean, I would, I'd probably go out and buy a jersey. You know, that's just me, though. But, you know, we're going to support these guys through and through, you know, thick and thin. It really doesn't matter. We were here for Mettenberger. We were here for what, whatever that Rusty Smith or whatever that guy's name is. And we're going to be here through thick and thin. So it, it really doesn't matter. You know, we're not – somebody that's going to run off and follow Mario to wherever he goes. Uh, we're here for the Titans, and we love this team. So, you know, we're going to be here, and we're going to be Titans fans through thick and thin, just like we've always been through all the losing seasons and 
through the playoff seasons, no matter what. Uh, so that being said, this has been all for this episode of Titans Time. We appreciate you guys listening. Check us out on Twitter at Titans underscore time. Just subscribe to the channel here for us and, you know, rate us and leave some comments for us. Let us know how we're doing and, you know, if we need to improve on anything. And just let us know what you guys want to hear.